Hello, everyone. Today, for our awesome person, I'll be interviewing Jonathan Tsai, one of my favorite people and musicians. He's from the Dallas area. He is the founder and artistic director of the Chamber Music Series Ensemble 75. He is the principal keyboardist of the Dallas Chamber Symphony, and he is a frequent artist and presenter of Clyburn in the Classroom. You also might have seen him in these hilarious videos that he's done with his duo partner, violinist Chloe Trevor. We met 12 years ago at TCU Clyburn Institute, and Jonathan has become someone I can always talk to about honest musical struggles because he really gets it. He's real and super hilarious and always has a ton of insane and brilliant ideas. So I hope you enjoyed his interview. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Jeanette. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been like freaking forever. Four years, right? At least, uh, I was trying to figure out, that was, well, you did Ensemble 75 when? Um, I feel like it was 2013. Oh, that's four years? Yeah. Holy cow. I know. I'm like ancient now. I'm in my 30s. I think I wasn't in my 30s yet. Oh, I was always in my 30s. (laughs) I think before I I was 30, I was still in my 30s. I don't know. I thought you were 14, always. Uh, no, no, I have the mentality of a 14-year-old, but I'm I'm constantly 30. Constantly age is how you feel, right? I have the maturity of a 14-year-old, but I have the age of like an 84-year-old. As in your back hurts all the time, and then when you get up, you make that old man sound. I, oh. Yeah, I make the noise. I make the noise every time I get my car. I, th- I thought it was just sound of an affect, but no, it's really there's a just, <laughs> just sort of thing. Do you have a squatty potty? Because I, I do, in is- fact. I actually have a squatty potty and a bidet. (laughs) See, I posit that you are bosom buddies with Franny because he's very proud of his squatty potty. Yeah, you got to take care of your asshole. (laughs) Okay, so since I haven't talked to you in four years, I need to have an update. I know you play with Chloe now. Chloe Trevor. I don't think she was in the picture before, right? No, we basically met via my work in Music in the Mountains in Durango and oh. her violin teacher that she had through high school and also one of my music mentors, Arkady Foman. I was working for him there oh, and okay. she was also playing in the orchestra there and she was on the faculty at the conservatory that was part of that festival. Oh. But that wasn't, that was like, I think 2010 or 2011 when we met, but she was still doing her master's, I think at Rice. Oh, at Rice. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, so when she finished, she came back up a couple of years afterward and really wanted to get into doing this thing. Talk about self-starting. Like yeah. she, this year it's really blowing up for her. She's doing a lot of performances. I, I have no idea how she keeps it up, but she does. And I just travel with her occasionally whenever she needs a that person to kind of sit behind the piano. <laughs> well, I mean, like this whole video thing, they're kind of like two set violin. Just a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. know. Although she would be, she might be a little bit upset because she's like, oh, she, she, I was making funny videos before that. But oh, okay. yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it just sort of came about when we were bored one day and she was like, we should make a funny video about something that happens during rehearsal. Yeah. And your videos are hilarious. <laughs> it's a good collaborative project. You know, the, the yeah. one where you're queuing, you're like, can you queue? <laughs> Yes. So you said based on true events? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you actually That's had to every... tell her how to cue? No, no, not her, but every other oh, yeah. middle school, high school kid I've had to work with. Oh, or yeah. Even my own students who have played solo but don't know quite how to get the other person to do when you want to do. Yeah. No, you don't do a fast nod on the beat. No. Like, yes. prepare. Yes. <laughs> like... 
So the first one was about balance, which is basically no. That was my favorite one. I oh, think. good. What, so the, we've run out of ideas. Can you play more softly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you can you be a little softer there? Which is very true. I think I reposted it because I was like, this is so true. <laughs> and then funny story, my boss, he was, oh, that video's a hoot. It just goes to show you that when pianists think they're playing softer, they're really not playing softer. I was like, that wasn't the point. That, that, that was that totally not the point. Because <laughs> he was like, the first and the second and the third time were all the same sound. I took away that she was being a big diva about it. Well, yeah, instrumentalists also like it when they can't hear you. At all. Well, which is great because I actually don't like to be heard that often whenever I'm playing with people. Right. I just play as... I, I'm in the background. Just don't mind me. I'll... Uh, <laughs> I'll play and I'll smile and I'll collect my check, I guess. <laughs> but chamber music-wise, you probably don't think that way, right? I, I usually don't. You know, especially if I know the piece very well, I like to just kind of support. That That's my deal. Like, I, I don't want to be the whole show, even though sometimes I have to be. But I like being, like, <laughs> a supporter of what's actually going on. And I think that right. fits quite nicely. Like, sometimes people asked me, well, why don't you play solo more often? Why don't you try to learn some concerto or stuff? And first of all, I don't know if I'm ever going to get another concerto gig. I may look for them. At the same time, like, I don't like being right in the spotlight. I like being involved, but I don't want to be the thing. Does it make you uncomfortable? A little bit. I I would like for my, oh God, this is going to sound so masturbatory masturbatory i mean yeah this is the, i i noticed yeah. going back to chloe like i really like working with her because she's so good at put a post out here put a post that there preloading that and then let it go so i mean i wanted to ask you because you mentioned chloe has a schedule like she actually organizes it what you're supposed to do when yes yes and, and do you recommend that um it works for her very well and mm-hmm. actually within the last year I've seen somewhat of a transformation. She loves like organizing exactly when to do when. She's breaking it down and looking at trends and stuff like that. She's not making a chart of it, but she's just kind of noticing, oh, this seems to get more exposure when this happens or right. you know that sort of stuff. People pay attention to the video more in the morning. They like pictures more in the evening, that sort, sort of, of stuff. Sort of like Facebook analytics. A little bit, but it's it's more by instinct. And she's really not consulting with anybody. I think a lot of people think that she consults with advertisers or something like that to get it going, but it's all her own perception. She, I'm not going to say obsesses over it, but she's really conscious about how it goes. Well, she's thinking like a businessman and that's kind of an undervalued thing for social media, I think. Yes. And, and really, if you saw where she was two years ago and Mm. then what kind of gig she has now, it's amazing. She In the last three weeks while I was traveling with her, I noticed that she got a gig playing glass violin concerto. Wow. Yeah, she's going to Mexico next week playing Vinyaski concerto. Uh, she's doing Bernstein Serenade again in February. And she got contracted for another gig. I forget what concerto she's playing, but with another pretty big orchestra. So it's happening for her. Yeah. Like and she, this is all self-done, right? Like she's not having any help or... Nope, 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 hmm. nope, nope. I mean, I mean, she'll she'll get some help from her brother, and I'll kind of contribute for a video or two or something like that. But it's it's all that's what she does, and she does it really well. Uh, it's weird because now in the last few months, I've seen that whoa, this is actually really working. And whenever she took off on this path, it, it seemed like a little bit of a pipe dream. But at least she's really reaching a lot of people, and she's yeah. doing the things that she wants, and she's getting some good contacts and good gigs out of it. Yeah. Well, that that was kind of what I thought, in a way, what you were doing. Not the... To a very pipe- smaller extent. I'm, <laughs> right? not, I'm not that hot. I'm sorry. 
I'm yeah, I mean, she has the advantage of being a girl, I guess. I mean, you can't put on makeup, so. But even with makeup, I'm still like a, I don't know, a six. Like, yeah. have you seen those before and afters? It's oh, yeah. It's, it's very, very revealing how, how much you can do. But I can't do that with abs or personality. <laughs> you, you can know? counter your personality. Contour? I mean, that's what, contour. That's contour what my Instagram personality. is, right? I need, like, well, that's definitely what it is. It's a little bit of uh, social engineering or what is that called? Image crafting. Right. Or curating. Image curating. Is that what it's called? I feel like I'm in a museum when I'm doing <laughs> No, like I didn't use Instagram at all because I hated the whole pool of fake. And then uh, I had to get an account for Garth Nealong and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is very easy. It's yeah. so easy. And that's why it's popular because all you have to do is post and like. Yeah. And that's the only thing asked of you. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, though, you have to make sure that, I mean, this is this is Chloe speaking through me, that your content is kind of real. Right. Because I think people can actually see through the bullshit really quickly. Yeah, there's a lot of reactions nowadays. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff out there that just seems like they know you're fishing for this or you know you're fishing for whatever. Like, oh, I just, I had so much fun playing with Curtis when I was seven years old and like, oh my God. check this out. You know, that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, I guess I don't pay attention to that. Yeah, Sorry. it happens a lot. And I think one of the the hardest things to do, possibly one it, of the most important things, is to, to seem vulnerable at the same right. time. And and that's really hard, too, because there's a lot of people that will just shit on every post that she does. Really? Or they won't she seem has like haters. She, she has lots of haters. Huh. And, and the thing is, she actually has a reaction to that. She, like, she's, you know, there's not somebody shielding her from it. And so... Does she get really sensitive about it? Oh, yeah. I think some people that do it just because it's marketing, quote unquote, they... It's not that they don't care, but it's not such a mark on them when they do that or... They don't take it personally. Yeah. And so I guess a little bit of what I do sometimes is just be like, they don't know what they're saying or they're saying it because of this and maybe don't think you're actually running the account. Right. Because a lot of times if somebody shit posts on you... All you got to do is like say, well, I'm sorry you didn't like it. And they come back and they're like, no, no, no. I love your stuff. I'm just, you know, that sort of stuff. It's really right. funny how automatic that is actually. Right, right. I mean, because everything's so faceless. Well, I mean, I could see you not caring. Not because you don't care, but just that you because I don't self-identity. Care. Well, I mean, like you don't like derive uh, validation from outside sources. Yeah. Although it is nice to see that number of likes go up. <laughs> A little bit. I'm- it, it is nice when you're all alone and you just have your <laughs> glass of scotch and you're like, nobody loves me. What am I doing right now? <laughs> you're talking to me. I'm a real That's person. That's true. I miss you, Jeanette. Oh, I miss you too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had an intro and I was going to say all these nice things. So maybe I should say all these nice things. And we'll put it back at the beginning of this interview? Well, I don't know. Whatever. Well, you know, I had trouble with this because I could describe you or I could say what you do or what you are. One, you're extremely energetic pianist from Dallas. Um, Yay. And you're also artistic director of Ensemble 75, which is... The performing arts series that's in the Dallas area. And now in our eighth season. Wow. We're seventh going to eighth. We're planning the eighth season. Now I'm, I have some help now. It's great. Oh, do you? Yes. When did that happen? That happened as a couple man. of months ago. I need to give a shout out to my... Um, my right-hand man, and I'm not saying that in another masturbatory term, he's actually just really helping me out. I mean, he's also my roommate, but he actually did work for Arcadi, the aforementioned former artistic director in Conservatory Music in the Mountains. So it's becoming more like next season's trying to be big. And uh, I mean, he's really helping out doing all this 
stuff that I don't want to do, like phone calls and like writing. Oh my god, phone calls shit. are the hardest. Oh, wait, social anxiety attack. Uh, we do a little bit, but that it's been more organic. And one of the, a couple of the very first donors actually came through because one of the people that worked with us at the very beginning was actually good at getting mm. people to donate. And uh, Yuri, she was able to to contact one guy who's actually been the biggest contributor, you know, matching funds and stuff like that. It also helps that there's a big Taiwanese community here. Right. And um, they're proud that they have somebody in the arts a little bit for whatever it's worth. And so I remember there are a lot of Chinese people in that audience. That's right. Oh. Although they would be upset if you called them Chinese people. Oh, sorry, Taiwanese people. Yeah, I, I don't know how many are going to listen to this. Deal. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> it, it's the times, right? But yeah, but there, there's a there's a huge uh, outpour uh, outpouring of uh, well wishes and funds from them too. So I have that to really help me out. In terms of fundraising, is your advice to not be looking for a lot of donors, but look for a really good one that is going to be stable and consistent? Gosh, I, I'm the wrong person to ask, but I really think. Honestly, that the ones that have been the most consistent are people that I genuinely get along with and I genuinely right. feel support the mission, you know, right, right. and like what we do. We run a really tight ship. That's the other thing, too. Like, we don't really spend money on a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. You know, we spend yeah. it on musicians and printing costs right now. Next year is going to be a little different because we have a war chest built up and we'll see how that goes. So we'll actually have an advertisement and stuff oh. and forethought. So that's going to be a real interesting journey. Although I feel like I do have um, some real good partners in crime to help me through. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, once you get a team, don't you have to pay them? That's the other thing that money has to go to, right? Luckily, I've built up a, um, what is that? A murder? What do you call a group of people? A gang? Uh, a troop? A coven? A coven, a coven of, of witches? Yeah, a coven of, of friends who actually Eating perform as well, you know? And so right. my whole idea of this being sort of like, um, a performance lab for professionals, right? You know, is starting to come true, and people can contribute in their various ways. And I do pay people that don't actually benefit from getting concerts directly, mm-hmm. but whenever they do help out, I do make sure that I include them on stuff well, whenever I, mean, that's I can. Interesting, because like that sort of model. I, I was in a new music group that kind of worked on that model too. It's like we work to promote ourselves, but we're not getting paid for it. I mean, it's just we want to do this. But the biggest problem was that the work didn't get distributed equally. Like some people just slacked off, and some people did everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, how how do you combat that situation? Because it's it's bound to crop up with these kind of groups. Well, I mean, basically, and this is sort of something that I realized later on, or maybe early and often. I don't even know. I just realized this somewhere oh. in between, which is basically that you want people to do something that they feel that they can do. Right. So Steven's actually really good at doing phone calls, really or- good at organizing schedules. And mm-hmm. so I can let him do that and writing grants. I mean, I didn't realize he did all this shit. And it's wow, amazing. Wow, that's a lot. And at the same time, I can put people together usually with their personalities. And I can ask people that I know are reliable to put right. together programs that will go there. I know some people that really have not that much talent in doing anything but performing. But they're really good performers and they bring a lot of people. So I have them be the talent. So just admitting that people can do certain things better than others. And I don't think any of them would be offended if I said this about any of them. 
Right. I mean, that's the mark of a good executive director, right? You know how to delegate and how to form the best team. Yeah, although it's taken me until recent years to actually, like, be not so shy about asking people to do stuff. Right. You know? Is that a Taiwanese mentality? It is. (laughs) Thank you very much. No, yeah, it is. (laughs) And going back to my past a little bit, when when I told my mom... Uh, and dad actually that I wanted to major in music my mom's response was well well Jonathan you're you're not good and you don't what? practice so what? what do you expect to what do you expect to, to get out of this thing and and actually I think she, my mom was right she was absolutely correct so I had to work and so I could admit that like there are things that I can do better but it's like something I'm comfortable with so I just need to pair it with somebody that feels comfortable doing that kind of stuff Right, right. And then they feel like they're contributing in a way that they're good at contributing at. And I'll have ideas once in a while. Like, I don't like to say I'm an idea man because that really means I'm lazy, which... I was just going to yes, call you an idea man. Sorry. But, I'm, but no, but that, that implies that I'm lazy, which actually I am. I don't think it implies that. I think huh. so. But when people say when people say I'm an idea man, that means like I'm a person that really doesn't like to do shit. <laughs> I like to think up stuff, but like I don't really like actually following through on it. Hmm. Which is well, true in a way. Like, I like I like following through on stuff if it's easy and I right. can see a clear goal on how to do it. But if there's that intermediate step of how do I approach starting to do something? Yeah. That's when it gets really icky for me. Because it's overwhelming. Like, you like uh, to have a clear path. Yes. Because you actually are an action person. Like, that's the impression I get from you. You have a lot of energy. So if you don't see your clear path, then you're... You're not going to be able to act on it, and you need to do things immediately. Is wow, more of it? you you know me better than I know me. Like, yeah, I guess that's what it is. Is because if I have to research how to do things, that makes me think that somebody else can do it better than I can, easier. Hmm. And I'm absolutely and they've already okay. done it, right? Right, I'm yeah. absolutely okay relying on somebody else's experience if I know that their product is better than mine. Right. Uh, well, I guess I don't know the thought process that comes up with your ideas. Is it because it's something new and it's something interesting in order to do a project or is it to do the best that there is out there? Um, I like being different, you know, in a way like I have not ever touched Rachmaninoff Sonata number two. I have I've played Liz Sonata. I mean, but I I really like that piece. But like <laughs> Schumann Fantasy, like um, basically all of the Beethoven sonatas, like I know somebody's done them better. I like right. them for me maybe to learn but at the same time i don't know if i'll ever perform them too much so i like yes. finding stuff that's off the wall a little bit something that i feel like i can bring something to that i can bring to um maybe an audience that doesn't necessarily know what it is you know maybe right. discovering new corners of things i think my time is much more efficiently spent finding those and performing those rather than like Okay, well, here's another 110 followed by... Dude, that's exactly what I think. Like, this is why I hate playing music that is played by everybody. Because it's like, the answer's already there. Somebody's done it great. I can't possibly add anything. But a new piece, there's no interpretation out there. It's like uncharted territory. I don't like having the answer there. No, it's... to be measured up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do have a fantasy hump list. (laughs) Fantasy hump list? Fantasy rep hump list. Which is like, oh, okay. some people have a fantasy hump list of like celebrities that they, you know, that's your like, your exception never... list. Mm-hmm. You're, okay. you're in a long-term like, I, relationship. I know, a like... bucket list, right? Yeah. No, right, I right, right. If, if this Anderson celebrity. Anderson Cooper's one of them. Yeah. I know, but... I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Silver Fox, though. Okay, I got it. Right, right. But I have a fantasy I... hump list for rep. Okay, but first you have to tell me your fantasy celebrity list. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know I've if I've forgotten. She... Who are your people? Okay, so maybe number one. Uh-huh. And she might be a little long in the tooth. This is Sophie Marceau. Oh, she's beautiful. She's incredible. Wait, what movie did you first see her in? Mine was the James Bond movie. My, mine was uh, Braveheart. I haven't watched it. She, she, she had that little bit of like, I'm evil, but I'm like really hot. And I like want to, I, I got, I got to get a little bit of Mel Gibson's crazy seed in me, you know? <laughs> like a, a little psychotic, a little uh, sociopathy. And she's like that in real life too. Is she? So, oh. You've met her? No, uh, again, you know. Uh, <laughs> in your no. dreams? In my dreams. She has a very like intoxicating beauty though. Cause it's not like in your face. Oh yeah, you yeah. know I I, I kind of like that a little bit, where it's Very not directly out there. But Sophie Marceau would be the one that's on that right. that exceptions list. Okay, so like in in terms of science fiction extraction, do you think our future there'll be no more live performances, but there'll be all these edits of what people think is their best performance via I, oh, Instagram? Hopefully not. But just like actually being with somebody, like is like there's a there's a different connections. A live performance. There's always that risk of something going wrong. Right. And a lot of the live performance I've done, lots of stuff has gone wrong, but there's something about being in that moment that you can't ever replace. I, I, I mean, I agree completely, but I just don't know if people actually will value it after a while. I, um, mean, I, I think that the pockets might get smaller, but... I do think there is a serious problem, though. I mean, and maybe this is coming from actually being working in a nonprofit instead of just right, right, playing right. for my own community. But there isn't much music education anymore. I think the value of music has gone way down in terms right. of it being in your life. You don't take private lessons. People don't actually think it's worth it. it, it they're like, if you're not going to major in it, why should I pay all the money for messages? It's also really hard work. Yeah. And I mean, that too. But I mean, like, if you think about, like, a couple of generations ago, everybody took piano lessons. Mm-hmm. Like, they had a neighborhood piano teacher. So, I, I mean, I just don't think that the generation growing up now is going to actually go to concerts when they when they get older. And they can. I mean, this is this is as trite as, like, the earth without art is, eh. I hate that bumper sticker now because I've seen it so many goddamn I times. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, there's a bumper sticker and there's, like, people posting on Facebook, earth without art is, eh. Because you know those oh, are the outer. Oh, because gym. arts in earth. Yeah, oh, that, that's that, really dumb. Yeah, oh it's. My God. I mean, like the first time I saw it was really charming, and then like every other time I've been like, just be original. I think that's part of art. Right. As as trite as that is, I think the the the, the sort of aphorism maxim that I wanted to come up with was that like, well, our group is going to go out and educate like the music world about, you know, like, what is that? It's not such a secret brotherhood, that sort of thing. And I end up, I find myself saying it and it's true because I think actually, um, my first two CDs I ever purchased, my first one ever was the Eric Clapton unplugged CD. Oh, really? Yeah. And the second one was the planets. And I love what was the first one I purchased. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, did Did I tell you that? No, no, you never. No, no, that was the second CD I ever purchased. No, you never told me, but okay, I'm I'm close. Oh my God, how did you? Mm. Spice Girls. (laughs) No, the the more embarrassing thing is that you actually guessed that without me telling you. (laughs) I mean, like, what does that say about me? It says nothing. It says you were a teenage girl at the time or preteen. 
Actually, the first one, do you remember Thong Song? Yes, Cisco, yeah, right? The first one I ever appreciated. That's right. No, I mean, I, I really love listening to um, uh, Busta Rhymes' Extinction Level Event. And also, <laughs> my cousin had a copy of Genuine's Pony. And I, I didn't realize the sexual overtones of that song, which would have probably made me even like it more had I had known it. But it was just the bass. <laughs> it was just, this bass right. is all, it's freaking awesome. I, I don't think I realized a lot of sexual overtones in a lot of songs. So what I'm saying is that like, okay, so demystifying classical music is going to be part of it, but that's yeah. also, that's the age old struggle. I think people have been doing that since a while ago, right? Yeah. And I think it's becoming uh, much more important. It's incomprehensible that any musician growing up right now doesn't realize the importance of it. I think people are shielded from it, I think in the past generation, because you yes. kind of get away with doing the same old and get like a job somewhere and be okay. Yeah. And I think that's definitely not true now. I mean, there are a lot more outreach events like um grants only award to trying to get music into un yes. musical communities. The biggest hurdle I think still for us for classical musicians is getting rid of the us versus them mentality because I mean it, everyone just kind of naturally thinks about, oh, if they don't like classical music, they, I'm not going to care about them. Like right. we're just going to play for our community. But the thing is it's like your community is dying out. Yeah, it's 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 true, and sometimes that what adds to it is that people go to classical music concerts as a status symbol, rather than I actually enjoy this concert, or I want to learn something about it. I think my biggest revelation through undergrad was actually during our time together at TCU Clyburn, the (laughs) master the master class format. I learned. So right. much, not about the music, but like just little things here and there that made me appreciate it that much more. And, mm. you know, if if master classes, I don't know how you would get it into the open or if there was some sort of thing that was educational, but I don't want to use the term educational because it's really entertaining. It know? is very irritating. And As, outreach has become a term like that, too. The presentation of classical music has to be different, but it's also the way that we communicate in anything we do has to be in, in the way that you were talking about, a master class sort of way. It's like right. it's engaging. You communicate, but you also never perform without making people connect with you personally. Yeah. I mean, every concert we do here, we always talk and introduce every piece. I can't imagine now performing without doing that because it's just... You have to. Yeah. You, you have to. The only people that don't that know this before going into a concert, I think, are people who have performed the work. Right. I, I, yeah. I absolutely think so. Maybe there are a couple of music historians that know about this, but like I barely know a piece before I start learning it. And then right. I find out stuff about it. And then it's like, oh, that's interesting. And then I sit down and expect people to know exactly what the hell I'm doing. You know? I know, especially if you don't have like a program that actually talks about the piece. Like you don't have program notes, then you, you should talk about it. Even uh, if you have program notes, you should still talk about it. Right. Because I mean, it's a chance also to make people see why you like it. like why you're passionate about it and that influences them it's sort of like oh this person actually cares enough about this piece and they're listening to it this way so maybe i should like try to hang on to that when i'm listening to it yeah to bring up an earlier point this goes against this sort of like people don't want to come to the concerts because it's not perfect you know i think we've we've also raised a bunch of that's a can of worms (laughs) You know, we've we've also raised a bunch of autonomy, uh, you know, because they want people that are young that can play exactly this way or whatever. Right. You know, the, the whole idea of perfection and, you know, like 
you know, if you don't do this exactly like this, it's not right or it's not correct yeah. or whatever, that sort of thing. I think that goes f- talking about the music and actually performing it like you want to perform it flies in the face of that a little bit, which I think mm-hmm. is a good thing. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah, it totally is. I think that the biggest proponent for having live concerts, though, is the, is the fact that like the whole point of doing music is to connect. Yes. Like you, you communicate, you connect. You can't do that if you don't if you're not there live like i mean it's it's kind of the effect of a year's worth of conversations with somebody then you feel that close to that person right that's what a, a, a music performance does and you really can't do that if you just pop in a cd you go do something else basically. exactly i i've you know one of the pieces on my fantasy uh rep hump list that oh, yeah, i'm actually doing that. i there's two of them okay oh god i'm saying it out loud and the world's gonna hear it so that means <laughs> i'm gonna have to learn him <laughs> shit Okay, okay. Uh, List Below number two. Oh, that's and a beautiful piece. I, I love it. And yeah. I just I just came off of playing the List Sonata a lot of times, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that piece justice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record it. I'm going to edit yeah. it the way I want, and then I'm going to leave it alone for a while, that Sonata. But I think the Ballad is short enough that I'd be it's able to underplayed, keep... too. Is it underplayed? I don't know. In my experience, I haven't heard it that much. I okay. had one friend it's, that worked on it. It's regional, but it's a... Oh, it's regional. <laughs> it's freaking amazing. I really love that piece. So I'm going to learn that one, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, and then uh, Chopin First Concerto. Oh. I really don't like the piece, but I some there are beautiful moments. And it just, it feels like a piece that like could reach something, but it doesn't quite. And so I want to disappoint it as well. You want to be disappointed. Okay. Well, I want to disappoint the piece. Oh, you want to disappoint? Oh, I see. I, I see. I, you know, there's always a moment where you you you're learning a piece and you think you're familiar with something, and then you yeah. like actually like divide beats out, or you you explore it a little bit, and you're like, oh my god, there's a whole another dimension to it that I yeah yeah you know. And I think that the concerto has lasted long enough, despite its terrible orchestration. Right. Despite I mean, sort of simple idea. I mean, he wrote it when he was 20. That's really good for a 20-year-old. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It's amazing what pieces are popular sometimes because you're like, that's not their best work. Yeah. But it's still like, I know what you mean, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to invest the time to do it mediocrely. Plus, I might have students in the future that want to learn it. So like, I should probably like have a set of fingerings. I don't know how this actually warrants it being on your hump list, though. It's not. Okay. Well, it's my my fantasy rep hate list. This is way too complicated. <laughs> like, just... It's just a lot of syllables. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm not following at all the structure I had down, but. It's fine. This is great. I love this. <laughs> Can we do this again next week? Let's do it again yeah, next week. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it all the time. Sweet. And then, okay, so anyways, to continue with the nice things I was going to say, I was going to say... Oh, we're at the um, introduction still, right? <laughs> we're still at... I don't know. Sentence three. He is, more importantly, one of the warmest, most generous, and sincere musicians I am lucky enough to know. Oh. That, that was, did that sound hackneyed enough? <laughs> that sounds super hackneyed. Yeah, I know. Well... I got you I, peanuts. <laughs> I got you I was, peanuts. You got me peanuts? Peanuts, your cat or your dad's cat? Oh, I oh shoot, no, peanuts, my mom's cat. Like, no. yeah. So, anyways, as I was gonna say, you have the distinction of being the person you never get sick of talking to, as evidenced by the fact that it took us this long to get to the <laughs> intro. Um, yeah, but if you I edit say, all those forty minutes out that we just previously had, that would be forty minutes. Oh, forty nine. <laughs> 
But then I was going to say that your only downfall is that you're allergic to cats. But you mentioned cats before I got there. Yeah, I mean, like, I like cats a lot. I have a dog now. Um, Where's your dog? Really... I thought she came in. She, she didn't come in. I, I sort of, she kind of gets scared anytime I pull equipment out. And so she got scared oh. of the microphone, but she's, <laughs> she's a real sweetie uh, when yeah. she doesn't shit all over the place. But that's not. Is that a problem? Well, only whenever I feed her like too many organs and stuff like that. Why would you feed her organs? Because she Are loves them. Are you just them. like harvesting your bodies and your wounds? She, like, she... What is... Oh, I forgot to go into that part of the bio. <laughs> That's later on. <laughs> you didn't read he my is full the world's biography. first serial killer pianist. Yes. Probably not the world's first, actually. No, I, I love cats and I'm slightly allergic to them and I wish I wasn't because I'd probably get along really well with cats because we just kind of leave each other alone. Yeah, I know. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bailed me out that one time, remember? Take, like, you came the... last minute and took Brahms, it was the name at the time, to the vet. Like, I mean, that was crazy. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's part we didn't of the... even know each other that well. That right? was partly because I had a crush on you, but we'll just say it's just oh. a good human being. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. I think I knew that. Did I know that? Yeah. You sort of knew that. That was a weird year. See, but that's we worked weird... through it. We're, we're friends now. And we're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hi, podcast um, world. <laughs> well, at least Franny's never had a crush on me, so it's not like a love triangle kind of thing. What if I fall in love with Franny? <laughs> you might. He's irresistible, actually. I am pretty good at getting along with people because I'm pretty much a beta. I like autonomy. I like having my own sense of direction. Right. But if somebody has a strong idea, I'm very cool with going along with what they do. Right. You know? I guess I guess in that sense you are, but you're not. You're definitely not a passive person. No, no, I'm not. Again, I'm an, I, I'm an idea person. Um, and if I feel really strongly about something, then I'll feel really strongly about it. But if um, I don't feel really strongly with it, I'm not going to like resist anybody else's suggestion because I think it's dumb. I just go like, okay, let's go on with it. I'm not sure if this will work out, but uh, yeah. it's not on my, it's not my hands. You know, it just sounds like you're not an arrogant dick actually. Cause I mean, like if you, that's not on my bio, by the way, <laughs> arrogant dick, yeah. a walking penis. But like, you, <laughs> <laughs> like if, if, like if somebody does something that you're not cool with you're not going to be afraid of confronting them right well it depends on how bad it is mm. you know what i mean if it's if it's something that again like it's just something that happened once or whatever then it's fine but if it's a repeated set of things right then i need to address it then i will address it and a lot of people think that i i wait too long that i'm too patient like that but then um if it doesn't if, if confronting the person won't immediately garner results Right. There's no point. There's no point. Yeah. So why why bother? And it's more like about preserving your energy for things that matter. Like there's no point arguing with someone if it's going to actually exhaust you and make it harder for you to do your thing. Very true. Very yeah. true. And that's probably why I'm a good collaborator. Oh. <laughs> well, oh, actually, so I'm rehearsals. Sure I... So, yeah, I mean, like I don't take stuff personally really that much. But like if something uh, is catching my attention and it does a couple of times and i'll say something right. if the person i'm collaborating with has a reason i'm not gonna stop and argue that reason yeah i because mean it's that's, just like, right, that's fine. rare actually yeah for a pianist i think yeah and, defensive yeah and at the same time like who am i to say <laughs> you know well i mean I, I feel like string players have that down like they don't take it personally 
pianist i don't know too much ego in the way like it just sounds like you don't have an ego we were raised differently i think probably well you always had friends that were string players right yeah that's true i've always gotten along with string players just because i was a string player in a former life up until high school wait yeah violin right i played violin until high school and then like i played viola in my undergraduate at smu for my large ensemble credit okay so me and franny went and suffered and got a dma and a lot of people when they graduate with a dma they don't they either go on the automatic path, right? Like they go and apply for a bunch right. of adjunct positions yes. or whatever um, and end up not practicing and not doing anything because there's so much time teaching shitty students that don't actually major in music, right? Right. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> but then you seem not to do that. You seem not to make any steps toward that direction, right? Like was it a conscious decision or was it more like you really didn't see the point in going that route? Um, you listen to what people make doing that route and you go like, oh yeah, that's not great. And I think I kind of sort of fell into it too. Like my goal actually, when I first started out was to become a professor of music when I did undergrad, when I did undergrad, you know, my dad's a professor, right? Great job. But he was an accounting professor over the years. I kind of realized that maybe it wasn't for me. I don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think I'm a nice person. But I don't like having to be nice. Right. I like being nice on my own be... accord. Yeah, exactly. And and playing a game is something that I get tired of after a very short time. So in that sense, yes, but I did apply for a couple of jobs just because I thought I was well suited for them, but I didn't I never got an interview. Right? Right. Um but really what 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 really influenced me was the words of a few mentors. So, um, like, I have a, uh, I, I'm gonna say his name, Buddy. His name is Buddy. He's pianist for Fort Worth Symphony. Been there forever. He his does Buddy Buddy Bray. Bray. He does every oh. does everything. He's pianist of Fort Worth Symphony, and uh-huh. he was my boss at the Clyburn, you know. Mm-hmm. And he runs a lot of stuff. And he was like, did a lot of new music stuff, and he just does everything, right? right. Brain like you couldn't believe. Like I admire him. More than anything. Like, he, he's really a big influence on why I'm doing what I'm doing. But I remember him just, like, going off on a tirade against, like, academia. And then, like, I was like, holy shit, you're right. You're yeah. really right. And this, yeah. is, this is in the middle of graduate school. Oh, really? Before you went on to DMA or in the middle of your DMA? So I did DMA because uh, I got more scholarship and I had more time to study with Mark. Mark Durand. He was a professor of music at University of Montreal in Toronto, but he's resigned from all those positions who I just absolutely adore. So that makes sense then. You didn't go on a DMA to get a teaching position. You went because of the teacher. I went because of the teacher. It was easy. Again, I don't do stuff unless it's easy. I'm like I would say like founding your own music series is not easy. Okay, so I think that is a task most people would not do. Well, I am Gandhi when it comes to education. I just took the path of least resistance. <laughs> you know, Montreal was a great place to be for graduate yeah. school. Where I was when I was was very much like an art certificate. And I really thought I should know how to play the piano before I left. And the opportunity yeah. to go to accelerated program for DMA or D.Muse, D.Muse en français, <laughs> was a avenue 
for me to study with somebody who I thought was an absolute genius and right. was a great, I don't want to I, a counterweight, but in a good way to what my undergraduate gave me because Dr. Laney was exactly what I needed for my undergraduate, which is somebody that held my hand and yeah. guided me through the steps of like how to be a good, you know, musician. And right. Mark, Mark, like Dr. Laney formed the structure that Mark kind of made beautiful. You know what I what I want to say. You that know? is so poetic. Like let's see, like chrysalis butterfly. Like she yes. made the cocoon. So, um, but Buddy in the meantime was sort of telling me that like maybe this is not the path you want to go. What do you want to do? You know, and yeah. when I came out, like I also again talking about not really having an ego. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with egos as well. Yeah, and for me not having an ego, I had an ego. When I was an undergraduate, you I, 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 I kind of did. I thought I was hot shit. And then I went to my first music festival, which is TCU Clyburn, then Orford, then Las Vegas Music Festival in the same summer. Really humbled me. I was in like, the same summer? How'd you fit that many in? Barely. Barely. It was nine weeks of instruction. You know, I mean, you get burnt out from just traveling one flight. like Right. It, no, it was bad. Like, I finished one. And then traveled to the next one the next day. Yeah. And it was there for four. It was supposed to be six weeks, but I was only there for four. I cut it two weeks short. I was like, fuck it. I need to go home. Would you say you have a binging personality, though? Yes. (laughs) I really do. Well, and again, this is the thing, right? Like, I thought I was hot shit, but then I wasn't making it into any festivals I was applying for. Oh. And I finally made it in, and I made it to... A lot of the ones I was applying for. So I went to all of them. I was like, give me give me all of the knowledge. But like it came with a lot of stress and a lot of Russian teachers just telling me that I should uh, wash dishes for a living rather than play the piano. What? Wait, really? So you had that experience? Oh, yeah. But I think oh. that's the Russian way. Now that I look at it from a outside perspective. Yeah. Wait, can I, can I ask you about that? Because I feel like... Uh, for pianists who do get this experience, like your perspective would be helpful. About getting a tough lesson? Yeah, and getting like things said to them and they get really hurt by it. Like, yeah. how did you deal with it? Well, I mean, how did you deal with it? Because you got out of it. So, I mean, I'll say it now because I actually still respect him as a musician, as a teacher, because like he was really good. Um, uh-huh. Boris Petrushansky was the first real bad experience I had with this. I, you know, I don't know him. I mean, I know the name. I just he was yeah yeah Olga Gern's teacher, and I'm sure he taught a lot of really good people in Italy. I think that's where he was teaching at the time. But I paid a a lot of money on the aside during that TCU Clyburn to have a lesson with him. I had a lesson with him, and to my to his credit, I probably would have given myself the same lesson now. Right, right. But through a translator who was another participant, he was like. This is very awkward. We need to start from the very beginning, you know. By the way, this is not kung fu. You can ha he ha. You can't do your way through this. Like he would actually say this shit during the lesson through a translator. I'm doing this. Yes, doing the chopping <laughs> motions during so the. Like I don't need translation for that. And I came out of that lesson, and I I went into one of the underground practice rooms, and I just sat there, like, what the hell am I doing with my life, oh. right? Yeah. But then you have a choice. You either quit and do something productive 
with your life. Or mm-hmm. you say, no, I think I have something to say. I'm going to work my ass off to do something. Mm-hmm. And in that way, that was a very inspirational lesson, although it was negative inspiration. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is how it really works. Yeah. Right? Like, you you need someone to just give you a tough time, and then you're just like, this is what I need to do to step up. Because if somebody doesn't have that, they'll never survive. Yeah. And I, and I find it now because a, a lot of Eastern European and Russian teachers, I don't mean to stereotype, but I am stereotyping. Arkady! Arkady Fomin! I accompany a lot of lessons where I was like, during that time I was doing another method of teaching where I was like... No, you just let the kid do what they want. Oh, Montessori school? Something like this. Okay. So (laughs) to hear him say, my God, come on, kid. I told you this already twice. You know, I was like, no, you got to let the kid have a chance. No, they need to hear that sometimes. Yeah, Structure and discipline. You know, I don't want to overdo it because if I had a weekly lesson like that, I would be done in a month. But. Every lesson that I had with a Russian teacher who I I can say without exception did not like my playing was inspiration for me not to give up and curl in, but just to be like, no, fuck you. I can play. Yes, that's exactly my thinking. It was if anyone says anything negative to me, I get fucking angry. Yes. Like I am motivated by the anger to show them that I am not who they box me in as. Right. Let me determine my own limits. Exactly. Don't and, and also, like, there is a knowledge that you know you are capable of much more than what you're actually producing, right? Like it's yeah, exactly. you have a strong belief. And it's not going to be in that manner that the after school special where in the end they were like, man, kid, I was just telling you that because I, no, I never saw them again. Right. They just told me I suck. And to their mind forever on, it's going to be, I suck. Right. Well, I mean, some people would actually get bothered by, they could never show it to that person that they actually weren't who they thought they were. But it sounds like that thought was never a thing for you. No, no, no. I I know it's always going to be like that. And, in, 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 mm-hmm. but to me, their impact on me for kicking my ass was something that I needed. And therefore, I thank them for that because they might not have meant it personally. They right. might have been in a bad mood at the time. But it's like, what was the end result? The end result was that I had a fire lit in my ass Yeah. to work. The takeaway is like you make what you make out of something that is negative, right? Like they didn't intend to light a fire under your ass. I, yeah, exactly. But um, also like I think it's a small point, but I think it's an important one to highlight is that teachers have bad days a lot. Yes. So you expect them say, to be, yeah, exactly. You expect them to be a bastion of, of knowledge without fairness. worries about medical bills or like what the hell their husband did that day or, you know, right. what the hell is going on at the school and they took away your fucking parking pass and that sort of shit. Are there in Wisconsin? Yeah. It's not all about you basically. Right. Right. So like if they say something negative, it may not, mean that much or it's not boo you it's yay me oh that's a good way of putting it right it's not like yeah boo you you're terrible this sort of thing or it's it's yay me i need to feel more powerful in this moment or i feel that you're a part of this thing i'm bringing i just had a tough lesson today that i had to teach yeah and i had to to fight these feelings of 
man, I really have not the, I, I'm not in the right place to say this right? as a teacher who, you know, like what did I do this weekend? I just, <laughs> what did I do this weekend? I just went and I, uh, I played video games for a while, but I was really like, I was really stressed this last week and I really need to rest. Right. Okay. But you, you need to practice. Right. But yeah. balancing that against, Hey, you're my student. I want to be represented well. I want to make sure that my product is that I put out as a teacher is put out well. Yeah. And I think the teachers have to go with that too. They just respond to what's needed at that situation. Any any good teacher anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, it's totally true. Like uh, when you get yelled at or you feel shitty, you just want to make somebody else feel shitty because you need to exert power. Not enough teachers put that at the door. <laughs> yeah. Urge. But I think yeah. it's good though. You, I, I mean, not at the very beginning. You need a very... You need a teacher at the first that that's why I think like the first teacher is very important in a way. Hmm. You need a really good first teacher that can kind of walk you through this stuff. Yeah. And then every teacher you have from then on is the one that you don't just have to deal with what they say. You have to deal with what's behind what they say. Yeah. At a certain point, you have to grow up and you have to realize that they're coming from a place too. And yeah. Everything's at the surface value. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that was the whole reason why my undergrad was as miserable as it was because I didn't know how to deal with not being special anymore. Oh god, you know? that's a terrible feeling, isn't it? Yeah, that's a terrible I mean, feeling. <laughs> it's very indicative of Juilliard and like everyone. But who goes I was there first chair. Yeah, exactly. I want and my local competition. <laughs> but I mean, also think about like it this way: I was Bob McDonald's only pre-college student, and like you know. Just by virtue of the fact that I was young, I was already special. Yeah. Like, it wasn't anything else to do oh, with yeah. that. But yeah, yeah. And going to Veda, who had, like, a thousand prodigies, I was really... She couldn't be bothered with, like, holding my hand because I wasn't working. And right. so, like, it was good for me to realize that I wasn't special. I think that's the thing that all pianists, all musicians need to kind of realize is that you can be the most talented person growing up and everyone can just like lodge you to heavens you can win everything but if you don't know how to really make yourself responsible for your own success like actually realize that working creates success then you're never going to actually be successful right like no one's going to hand you anything on a silver platter yes and i think you're a perfect sorry (laughs) no i mean i think you're the perfect example of somebody who actually is the new model of what one should be as a classical musician in terms of making it happen for yourself oh wow you want to do it well thank you i mean that's that's <laughs> really none of that's really touching that you're saying this because you're you're a pianist that i respect a lot and that i'm fearful of fearful uh, what I in a way wait, wait, in, in a way you, re, you you garner respect for me and to, to hear you say that means means a lot um you know one of the things that i do with the outreach for the Clyburn, I, I talk to a lot of freshmen you know, <laughs> and I and I, I really want to say to them. And if you're a freshman or somebody who actually has listened to me lecture and talk about this, like this is what I really meant to say. And this is what Mark said. And mm-hmm. in a way, a little bit of what Dr. Lanny said. And I hope you have a pen and paper out to write this down. Wait, I'm recording this. Yeah, I know. No, no I'm not talking to you. I'm talking <laughs> to the people who are listening. Sorry. All my fan who is listening out there. Your uh, fan. Yeah. You are not owed a fucking thing. 
Amen. You know, like there's lots of geniuses out there who are just waiting for the world to recognize their genius. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that just doesn't happen anymore. Yes, you have to work hard. Yes, you have to be good. But you have to go out there now that you have this skill set and go and get it. Go right. and get it. It's not going to be handed to you, unfortunately, right? Because that's the economy. You're sitting there perfecting your craft. And what you. Yeah, but what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Exactly. Now now you have to be a person of the world. I think we're going back a little bit. I, Isn't there like the whole romantic ideal of the artist as being above? Yeah, totally. Like above self promotion. My brother does that. He has never had to promote himself. He would work for an orchestra that has their own advertising agency, you know, their yeah. own staff. Yeah. But like, I noticed a distinct difference in his schooling and my schooling is that I did a lot more self-promotion when I was in school. Like I did a lot more of that social media stuff. And then my job now, I'm doing all of that. So it makes me really value that. I mean... Yes. It's (laughs) not what it used to be, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to wear a lot of hats. And if you like wearing a lot of hats congratulations you found yourself in the position you want to be it'll never be boring but at the same time it'll never be boring (laughs) yeah exactly but i mean the the skills that you learn from that so useful and it also is empowering right like because you know you can actually do it you can make something happen yes it's interesting because my brother is the same age as you right and he doesn't think like that at all the social media boom like you actually fully embraced it and used it as a business tool for yourself. No, I, I, I had I had friends who were really good at it. Hi, Chloe. Like, She's Chloe. not listening to this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so you would say she was the instigation force, or I mean, I yeah, a little bit. Like I, I mean, like at first I made fun of it. I mean, honestly, because it was like, what, what's the goal? Is it just to jack yourself off, or is it really like something? And then like stuff started happening. You know, right? Like her connection. I mean, she had good connections before. She, 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 she made her own connections as well as the social media stuff. But the social media stuff acted like another catalyst for what she was already doing well. Every every concert I got was not because I was a brilliant pianist. It wasn't because I was, you know, like a winner of this competition or whatever. It was because I taught with this person there, and they recognized that I could actually play, and so they right. asked me to play on their series somewhere. Right. right. No, it's all about personal connection. Right. But I think you have kind of glided past the really important point is that people don't give you opportunities because they think you're amazing. They give you opportunities because you're likable. And you're not a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick is number one business advice. I know so many talented dicks out there. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I look at the talent pool out there. There's yeah. so many brilliant musicians out there but it's it's not about being brilliant it's about okay you're at this level go out and get work yeah go and get work but some people stop doing that or on the other side i know some people oh gosh i'm gonna say (laughs) i know some people we can edit it out like to 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 who are fucking idiots just fucking idiots but they're very good at selling themselves yeah that peter used to piss me off but now I'm not. So no, yeah, exactly. So it's like play on player. You can fool yeah, enough exactly. people. Go, like, go on, do your thing. More power to you. Right. Yeah. Um. I I hopefully am a little bit more on the non-idiot side, but just shy to promote myself side. But at the same time, you know, I realize that I might have worked myself up into 
beyond my level of competence in a way. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I'm not quite sure what that means. I'm, I'm easy to work with. Oh, yeah. So people that like to work with me might not know that I actually kind of suck sometimes. Yeah, but you fake it till you make it. Like, just pretend you know it. Yeah. That's also one of the important tenets of being successful. Yes. I, I, it's like, how much do you know about writing grants? I say, oh, yeah, I can totally do that. Like, I've done that. Oh, really? You're going to have to teach me. I just oh. rely on people that I know can write grants like the my roommate or tenant that i have downstairs that's right. very good at that or that's you know, good at it's that. all about organization that's what i've learned now isn't that like, like true of life it's all about and organization also, practicing. yes and never do it last minute because uh i mean you have to do it like way in advance yeah Otherwise, it's just gonna you don't want to do anything half-assed anytime you put out anything and it's half-assed it's a record like they remember that so all of this is because i made that mistake yeah okay well that ends part one of the jonathan Tsai interview stay tuned next week for part two and uh check us out on itunes so many wrong notes and also visit us on facebook and twitter and instagram all at so many wrong notes except for twitter that has no s at the end because we ran out of letters and then it ended up sounding kind of fobby, which we liked. So we just left it at that. It was super Asian. Anyways, see you later. Bye.